0: Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we are based, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and extend that respect to the Elders past and present. Hello everyone, welcome back to the fourth episode of EWB UNSW's Inspire Podcast Series for 2021, where we set out to inspire and share the humanization of engineering, through what is known as humanitarian engineering. especially. Um, essentially engineering for humanity. I'm IFRA, currently a third year civil engineering student and EWB project team coordinator at UNSW. Today, I am joined by a STEM superstar, podcast producer for Engineers Australia, director of Romley Media, and someone I've personally been incredibly fortunate to know as program director for Warren Center's Humanitarian Innovation Awards program to which I was actually a participant this year for the Humanitarian Innovation Hackathon. As exciting as it all sounds, this is just a glimpse into today's guest. So without further ado, I introduce Melanie. Thank you for joining us today, Melanie. Thanks would
1: for you, that great intro.
0: Would you like to introduce yourself and let everyone know what is it that you do? Because I just scratched the surface.
1: Yeah. Although you did cover off a lot of the main points. Uh, So at the heart of everything, I'm a project manager. That's what I do. And that's what I bring to a lot of the uh, tasks that I work on. I bring project management skills to it. So from that perspective, I run a lot of podcasts. There's uh, I think about four or five of them that I have up and running at the moment. And I put most of those under my umbrella company, Ramley Media, which is uh, basically a STEM specialist agency that runs events or that uh, runs podcasts, that creates any sort of project-related activities that are STEM-related. That's what Ramelee Media does. Uh, but I do project production for, I did do it for Engineers Australia. So I started off my first podcast and I sold it to EA uh, and it was all about engineering heroes and talking to engineers from around the world and uh, and things like that about what they do. So uh, that's kind of, I do a mixture of project work and live events and podcasts and it's all related to STEM area really I I kind of call myself a STEM advocate for that reason because it's a bit hard to pin down to one thing
0: yeah yeah for sure that's why I was um incredibly fascinated you've got everything going on and I think you've also mentioned your master juggler of life and I was like I am (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I want to backtrack and start from the beginning in what actually encouraged you to deep dive into STEM, particularly the humanitarian space, to now becoming, as you said, a huge enthusiast and advocate for it. And now that you have um, Ramley Media up and running, so what sort of led to all that?
1: So I have worked, I'm actually from the STEM area, I actually, uh, my uni degree is in the science area but the geosciences and stuff. and But my work experience for over 20 years was in the technology space. So I spent 20 years very heavily rolling out technology to global corporations and things like that. Uh, And I had no idea about what STEM was. Actually, from my research, STEM only came into existence in 2001. So I'm not surprised going through school and all that. STEM wasn't a thing. Uh, but then when I, I started my first podcast in 2018, and that was called, at that time, it was called Be with an Engineer, but I changed it a year later to Engineering Heroes, and that actually opened the world of STEM to me I for the first time. I really understood what that meant, which is crazy. Like, it's just, it had been around for a long time, but from my understanding, I had no idea that I actually worked in STEM. So I kind of started gravitating to finding out what STEM was all about. And one of the first interviews I did was uh, with a lady called Mary Stewart. She's an engineer for uh, energetic and and genetics. Uh, And she was the first person that opened my eyes to the issues of gender in STEM or in engineering and made me realize that there's a lot going on that could be improved upon in that space. And it was, and STEM itself was such an important area for the world that we are now finding ourselves living in going through the fourth industrial revolution and such. And I just became really passionate that I wanted to help communicate out to the wider audience about the importance of STEM and how what role it has. And I actually changed my jobs and ended up working for the Warren Center. And the Warren Center is actually where I got on the path for the humanitarian engineering side of things because uh, they won a well, they received funds to uh, from Ron Johnson, uh, who ran ASICs, which I cannot remember what the acronym stands for, but they that was a very humanitarian-led organisation, and the key that uh, of what we won the money, the reason we won the money was because we uh, the Warren Center proposed to hold a humanitarian innovation awards program, and that would involve two projects uh, or two competitions each year. And one of them included the humanitarian innovation hackathon, which you've, you're familiar with, and yeah. the other one is an, um, what we call the pitch, which is kind of like a mini hackathon. Uh, it's a little bit like what engineers without <clears throat> excuse me, it's a little bit like what Engineers Without Borders does, with uh, you know you can create a uh, you can pick a problem and solve it however you want it's got to be a humanitarian problem it's got to be uh connected to UNSDGs and things like that so I've been running that since it uh for since 2019 so since 20 yeah so for a couple of years now um I've been sort of evolving that program uh to what it is today and hopefully making it bigger and better every year and learning and it's 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 really fascinating this space yeah for sure,
0: also, this is a shout out for everyone to definitely jump on board if you can with the humanitarian Innovation hackathon as well as the other um, components that come under the innovation awards because yeah. I know for myself, it was really, I think my first time actually seeing what it means to step into that space was oh, sort of, awesome. yeah, we um we see you know humanitarian um, engineering, humanitarian space, but sometimes it's very hard to. You know see what that's all about and it becomes really abstract it's just this idea
1: so yeah and that's one of the great things about the hackathon uh, which takes place for those listening in july every year uh, but that's the, one of the beauties of the hackathon is that we deliver real world problems uh and we support you with mentors and you actually have to implement uh sorry you actually have to create a solution uh, and and the the aim of that hackathon actually, or the aim of the whole program, is not so much what you deliver. The aim is to make you aware, as a university student of Australia, what your university degree can bring to the wider global population. So, what you were talking about just then about implementing that's just music to my ears because it's like tick. That's exactly what we wanted to achieve
0: love that um, also one point which was incredible about how you were mentioning your journey with the podcast um, from the podcast that you do host and co host which are many one that I particularly found interesting and caught my attention was idea um the idea evolution podcast which was one, yeah. geared towards children for me personally it was the first time seeing a podcast let alone a stem focused podcast geared towards children so I really wanted to ask what was the uh-huh, or the light bulb moment for you um, that led to, you know, hey, we should have a podcast STEM-related for children and whether um, you could speak to the importance of fostering that curiosity within children from a young space and what you think that might lead to in terms of shifts in um, conversations around STEM in the future,
1: let's say, by starting from a young age. So idea evolution... Uh, I, I did that in partnership with a friend of mine, Rachel, and it, I, it probably stems back a little bit before when we launched, which was around December of 2019. Uh, it probably started off at International Women's Day in March of 2019, when my my kids' school, so I've got three kids all in primary school, they were the the PNF were asking for parents to talk about, uh gender balance at, at a, an assembly on international women's day and at that stage i was thick in the thick into the side of stem advocacy and promoting that and so i put my hand up and they said okay great one minute yeah one minute just a quick talk and i'm like okay fine so i'm getting all nervous and i kind of emailed them the night before going i can't get it down under 5 and they said Do you know what that's okay you're the only one who put their hand up and i'm like are you kidding me this is a school of a couple of hundred kids which is about a thousand parents and I'm literally the only one who wants to stand up and talk about International Women's Day and gender equality and stuff and I'm like I'm gonna own this and um, I spoke and I probably went over about six minutes but I loved it it was such a buzz and I even to this day like three years later I'll have parents that I don't know who were at that assembly come up to me and go oh I remember you you spoke to us about STEM and you opened our eyes and so I got a lot of feedback even immediately after that five minute talk um, with the kids and that in March that got my brain humming going I need to do more I had the podcast there for adults but I my background is science Uh, I did a science degree but I also did a diploma of education but from K to adult and I kind of wanted to get into that junior area and and help educate my children in that space and you know just build upon uh, build upon the conversations that I was having and Rachel was very passionate she's a lawyer by day but she was very passionate in STEM she had a little side hustle as well going on about selling STEM chemistry kits and things like that and so we got talking and we start we just this idea of having a season where we would speak about one topic. So the first one was at home, the season was at home. So what are the innovations that were taking place around the home? And so making it uh, something that was tangible for children to understand, but I learned so much about it as well. And I love going into the stories, a little bit of the background of it and then tying it into what's the future going to look like? Because these children are the ones that are going to, innovate on what's existence and make the understanding that nothing comes out of the blue everything is built upon they're like lego bricks they're constantly building and evolving and so what are the seeds that are going to be planted in the children's minds as we they listen to idea evolution to grow and where are they going to grow and that that fascinates me that whole concept that everything is connected somehow and very rarely does an idea come out of the blue? Where there's always an inspiration back there. So that's why idea evolution, that's where we came up with the name. It's like ideas are the evolution of other ideas and the movement of that through time. And uh yeah, and just having it at a kid's perspective really <laughs> helped us as well understand because we were learning a lot as well. So yeah, it's a great little podcast, that one.
0: Yeah, that's um really cool and cute to see where the name of uh the name came about and also. Um, just getting children involved from that space because I feel like I know in high school it's very, you know, we have a lot of STEM programs geared towards high school students and university students, but often the primary students are neglected. So they don't really delve into it until later on. So that was well, really step that's forward.
1: very much. I mean, I also volunteer on the board for Power of Engineering, which mm-hmm. is um, a not for profit that focuses on encouraging mm-hmm. girls to get into engineering. And a lot of the studies have shown that around, I was looking to around that time was the child, you need to be, uh, usually around year six. So that 10 to 12 age group girls will start believing that they're not good at maths or something. They'll hear one little thing and that will just turn them off. So by the time you get into high school, you've already lost them. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wanted to go a bit earlier. And this is where my dip ed came in a little bit, that I wanted to start inspiring the children, the the six to 10 year olds in that space to go, hey, this is a fascinating space. And you know, not just just go where your bliss goes and follow those sort of dreams, even through high school when there are naysayers. So I kind of wanted to give that build up that uh, foundation in the children so that it's actually. So the the STEM area, which has less people in it or less women in it, is actually has actually a lot more people to join in because they're not lost at that 10-year-old age.
0: Yeah, for sure. And also, I'm sure everyone knows that the early years are very formative in terms of like perspectives and just having that perspective very early on, um, as you mentioned, is super crucial for what happens later on because you might lose them. And it's like, oh, it's kind of, you know, getting a bit late, we should have introduced it earlier on. So that's incredible. I did want to touch on the gender disparity and the other, um, some of challenges later on. But for now, I'll, I did introduce it in the beginning, but I wanted to pass it to you to answer, what do you say humanitarian engineering or innovation, or humanitarian innovation is all about, and why is it vital?
1: so humanitarian innovation is vital to society because there we are we're constantly evolving we are constantly evolving and changing and adapting and the innovations that, that are taking place can be very first world centered like the iPhones and all that sort of stuff and it's You don't want to. You can't leave the parts of the world behind, and certain areas of the world constantly throwing up new challenges, as well that may not be dealt with in other areas of society. So, by having humanitarian engineering, it's actually putting the human at the front of engineering, and not counting it, not saying that this is engineering for just one single section. This is actually engineering right at the human side and a lot of the humanitarian engineering that i've seen such as engineers without borders or Red R, or, or even through the hackathon it's the the key here is the the innovation because you can come up with an idea and this is again back to idea evolution it's it's you have this core idea and you have to build upon it so humanitarian innovation is not, I I kind of use it interchangeably, which I probably shouldn't, but I find humanitarian engineering is, you know, that problem solving of a situation that is affecting an area of humanity. Um, Whereas innovation is possibly using that technology in a new and exciting way. And Mm. so those two kind of merge a little bit for me because problem solving and taking technology and moving it all around and things like that are quite connected. But humanitarian innovation is so important because we don't want to leave anyone behind in uh, in this world. And by focusing on getting people to a similar level, that's very, that's very much what the UNSDGs are all about. So the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are really all about bringing up everybody so that they're at a similar level or that they're not being left behind. And humanitarian innovation or humanitarian engineering is key to achieving those goals so i think it's a very important area and i think it's being it's it's one of those areas that is so tangible in their results in that you can actually see where you where you're making your improvements so a lot of engineers just you know, i'm just going to say your traditional engineers like people who are building bridges or roads in you know in uh in sydney for instance they'll see that they're just building a bridge to expand that road and move more cars from a to b but if you build a bridge somewhere that is uh in a third world country or who needs those sort of extra help then you actually you can see the tangible impact that your engineering or your innovation is bringing to that uh, society and so i find that such a rewarding area and it's so needed really in this area. So the, that's why I love the Humanitarian Innovation Awards is because it it's not about what the solution is because those solutions will, there's a lot involved in that. It's all about people realizing how important their degree is in actually helping these areas of society. So yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, thank you for that. That was a a lovely little inspirational uh, speech um, over there. And also, as you mentioned, incredibly powerful. It's really being intentional, as you know, being intentional with the work that you do for a purpose, right? And it reminds me, I'll just mention it, of a story of a family in Haiti where they had to cross a, um, a river, basically, to get to school. The children had to cross a river to get to school, to get to medical supplies, all of that. And, um, you know, people have passed away just because there was not a bridge there. Yeah, and, they exactly. could, and, you know, out of necessity, they need to get to school. They need to um, reach medical supplies. So the story I've listened to was a mother that um, had to tend to a sick daughter, but the medical supplies were on the other side and unfortunately passed away because there was no means of transport, um, which later on a bridge was built. But it's stories like these that make you, ground you and realise, hey, we have to be really intentional with the work that we do. And, you know, really it's serving humanity at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, it's taking something that you, your skills mm-hmm. and being able to directly serve humanity humanity, and and building on those UN SDGs and delivering on the, to the world, some great advancements and things like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's ca- such an important. Yeah. And it's very, and very vast with how much that can be done because with the SDGs, there is just so much to do and so much, you know, that's being pushed towards doing so definitely something that's not, Oh, Hey, it's already full. I don't have to do anything. Everyone's taken care of that definitely something to get involved with. Um, So speaking of humanitarian engineering, I know a few universities such as UNSW have recently launched um, humanitarian engineering minors. So to me, it seems that this space is still relatively developing and in its early stages since these advancements, you could say, are still recently being launched um, and this wasn't here before. So from your experience, would you say that you've seen a shift in the humanitarian space And whether there are still conversations that you feel are lacking and you want more of them to be spoken out about.
1: Yeah, I actually see the shift as well, even in the three or four years since I've been involved in humanitarian engineering or innovation with the hackathon and such. uh, Because when that first crossed my desk in a way, I'm like, what is humanitarian engineering and what is all this stuff? And I mean, the, the awards is at Sydney University, for instance. And even now that uh, we had two lecturers that were on board and so they're really building up their area um, of the degree and there's actually a humanitarian hub being developed now out of the, the Faculty of Engineering at Sydney Uni. And I'm just seeing connections down at RMIT, for instance. This year at the Hackathon, we connected to RMIT and seeing how many students were kind of coming out of the woodwork for the hackathon from there and seeing the people who are working in the humanitarian engineering down in Melbourne. And I'm just curious to see where this is going because a lot of people, especially in the engineering area, they want to help society and humanitarian engineering gives them that, that uh, access that helps them that they can directly help some areas of society. And it's just really growing there's a real groundswell it's almost like people have always wanted to do good and to help areas but now that we've got maybe a label or now that we've got that humanitarian engineering banner it's actually focusing people's attention that hey come in here come and do this activity uh, connect with engineers without borders or such and you can actually make a tangible difference in the world so that's becoming a lot more popular now, I think. Um, I, I'm sure if you talk to people like from Red Air or Engineers Without Borders, they would say, oh, actually, we've been here for decades. So they, from their perspective, um, it would I, I'd say it's quite different. But from my perspective, being in, in this area for only three years, I am seeing numbers increase. I'm seeing the universities that are coming on board increase as well and the numbers from those universities are actually getting larger as well so yeah definitely seeing some movement which is very exciting but I do also know that humanitarian engineering has always been around like I've spoken to um, I've, I've interviewed an engineer on Engineering Heroes and she said she went to University of Wollongong as a high school student and they had uh, displays up and such. And one of them was a, a wash thing, so water area. And she just loved seeing that and seeing how tangible it was. And that's why she got into engineering, because of that display that was the humanitarian engineering thing. She didn't end up going into down the humanitarian engineering pathway, but seeing that example of the tangibility of engineering that's what got her in and i think that is such an important component and i think having more courses like the University of new south wales minor and what's going um on at other universities is just increasing those numbers and that connection that people can make to uh helping society throughout the world
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so <laughs> I want to pay respects to Reda and everyone else that mentioned it's, um, you know, it's been around for a while. But as you, as you uh, mentioned, it's now becoming forefront and being highlighted for students because I know for myself and other students, it's always humanity and engineering as a concept existed. But now it's like, hey, this is actually a profession. This is a career. This is, you know, your work. Um, by seeing that miners come in and hearing talks from people like, hey, we're in this field, we're doing some incredible work. This isn't just you can do this um, on the side. This is actual career, you know, work and profession.
1: I do have to wonder as well, the UNS, so the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, they they were built upon the millennial goals. And so they've always been, there's been a movement. I actually did a, a great Podcast on Idea Evolution about the development of this thing, uh, and I discovered that the UNSDGs are a really a great marketing tool, if you will, in promoting. Hey, we've got these problems. Align yourself to one of these goals to do work. So it's really helping move society in the direction of improvement. So I, I think maybe there's a tie in there as well with. Uh, What a great job the UN have done with the UN SDGs and that movement towards a focus on humanitarian engineering. I think there might be a tie there, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I know for the humanitarian innovation um, hackathon and a lot of other, um, you know, humanitarian engineering focused programs, it always ties in with SDG. So definitely reckon there's a link there because Mm -hmm. they've identified the problems, right, that we need people to jump into and work towards. And one of that is through engineering and innovation skills. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so now we've uh, deep dived into what humanitarian engineering is all about. Some of your podcasts and insights into what led into it. I wanted to sort of shift to dispelling some myths, busting some myths people might have about STEM, um, particularly university students or high school students that might uh, might be considering going into that field. I know a lot of people view STEM as this very challenging and hard and difficult field to enter. What would you say to the people that hold this belief and whether you have, you know, some golden nuggets or pieces of advice for anyone that might be considering the field?
1: I think at the end of the day, you need to follow, and this this will tie into, I'm sure, other questions, but you need to follow your bliss. You need to follow what you enjoy and life is freaking hard so don't not do something just because it's hard is that too negative so <laughs> so no, just no, be- no. Yes. I need a reality check that's all okay. that's, that's right and so it's just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worthwhile and it won't bring you joy because things do get easier as you progress and at the end of the day you need to do things that you enjoy and if that leads you down the path of STEM, a component of it, then I would say embrace that because there's so much now. Nowadays, there's so much support and encouragement in this area. And it really is an evolving area uh, that they can you can really make a difference to any component of society by going into STEM. So don't be put off, follow your heart and you can change the world in this space.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. So definitely big reality check. And I hope everyone takes that on board and really (laughs) takes a good look at themselves because obviously, as you mentioned, life is hard. Nothing comes easy, right? Nothing comes
1: easy. And the things that come easy, you don't tend to value.
0: Exactly. Oh, there we go. Quote that. (laughs) (laughs) Sound by that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, of course, there will be challenges. As with any other fields, and I know you've been very vocal in expressing some of the challenges that comes to the engineering space, such as the gender um, disproportion. So, would you be able to speak to have you whether you've seen shifts from when you first started delving into the space when it comes to um, the gender disproportion, and whether you could highlight maybe some less lesser known challenges in the engineering space that you feel like still need to be addressed, but are are not being addressed as of now?
1: Put me on the spot there. Um, Because gender is one of the big ones that a lot of focus and I have actually enjoyed seeing the change that's been taking place. Like even at the Warren Centre, when Mm -hmm. I first joined to like two, three years later, we made a point of making sure all our panels speaking was 50-50 male-female and seeing a lot of that happening and seeing the way that International Women's Day is being uh, uh, put on a, a great global scale or great global stage and things like that. So I'm really enjoying seeing the advancement of the profile of women in that space. But if you wanted to go from... Uh, the other side from a different area. Um, engineering Heroes is actually a great case study because there's hundreds of engineers that I've spoken to that uh, every week spoke about a different topic. And, you know, gender did come up a lot, but some things that are sideswiping gender, for instance, um, imposter syndrome, that came up a lot that was uh, that did tend to come from the women, but that was also something that would hold that gender discussion back. But one of the biggest uh, moments that I had talking to all those engineers from engineering heroes was the argument that STEM should actually have, should be steam. So mm-hmm. the art, so having that creativity, that creative element within STEM, to me is really important because that's where the innovation side of things comes. So it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be art. It do, it's, it's that creative, that, that innovation. But having that umbrella of innovation and creativity and artists, artistic expression, that is what really makes STEM so powerful. Uh, and I think that can be missed out sometimes when you're thinking about STEM in that that innovation side of things is actually maybe it should be steam because yeah. you really do need uh to talk about that when you're talking about stem you need to make sure you include that creative banner
0: yeah for sure um and as you've mentioned that's where the if we're linking it back to the humanitarian side humanitarian innovation comes from exactly right? exactly
1: exactly yeah. <laughs> And it's one of those things. When I was creating Ramoli, I wanted it to be stories of STEM, but I also wanted it to be innovation because I didn't feel like STEM was enough. I wanted it to also include innovation because innovation can come from lots of different areas. So, uh, in one one side of me wants to keep STEM because I like the purity of that, but the other there's another side which I don't think perhaps society talks enough about, which is that innovation. And that's why I like the Humanitarian Innovation Awards, because it ticks that box for me in Mm. that it does bridge that whole engineering, humanity, humanitarian, as well as innovation.
0: Yeah, that really um, actually ties into what I wanted to ask you was that over, you know, these years and with your podcast, you've been able to hear from incredible engineers and STEM enthusiasts alike. Would you say the STEAM would be the most interesting perspective that you've heard? Or is there any perspective that particularly stood out to you or something that, you know, the guests have shared that really resonated with you and you wanted everyone to hear about this and get on board with this?
1: Um, STEAM, the, so the putting the A in STEM was a real pivotal moment. There were a lot of pivotal moments. So the whole gender imbalance was an early one for me. So every episode... Uh, for engineering heroes is 50-50 male-female. So it takes sense. So making deliberate actions to do that uh, for the gender, then the A, so the making sure innovation is included in STEM, that was important. But one of the other ones that kind of rocked my world, so to speak, um, is, and that I think it needs to definitely, so STEM, STEM is being spoken about a lot. So that innovation side of things is really getting a lot of bandwidth. But one area that I think needs to be spoken about more uh, is, and it was spoken about in a lot of different ways, but it was about making sure engineers or STEM specialists are at the table. And that can be STEM on, uh, engineers on board. Like there's only 3% of board members are um, engineers, I think. So that needs to be increased. Having engineers talking about policies, having engineers come into politics uh you know that kind of thing is so important not just engineers as well any sort of STEM professional um having those technical experts taking leadership positions is imperative to ensuring that we're moving society in the right direction and I I, you know I applaud any engineers that want to step into that STEM space. So you know the Karen Andrews of the Worlds and the, the Trish Whites and things like that. Those those ladies are doing it on the in the federal government that they need to be encouraged. We need more people who are prepared to step into that leadership role. Um, Felicity Fury, I know she has a, a specialist leadership course that she runs for to, to encourage engineers and other STEM professionals into being leaders and it's just such an important area that really needs to be spoken about and if we can't get the numbers up then everything we're doing at this early age so that idea revolution side of that, that younger group it's just going to fizzle out because you need that whole end to end and it's important that you get engineers on boards or stem professionals on boards to show their importance um, Like even just as a personal experience, I um I volunteered as uh on my my kids' PNF school board. And I've got a strong technical background. And if I hadn't have been there, we would my school we from a PNF community, we wouldn't have coped with COVID because of all the I had to bring a lot of technical expertise to the the group to actually get a lot of things online to actually move across into you know um zoom meetings and all that stuff that wasn't there and if I hadn't have been on the board at that time I we actually wonder how much of the community would have survived in uh, to the point we are now so Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's one of those things that really does need to be addressed
0: yeah for sure and um thank you for mentioning that story that really sort of highlights the power of bringing perspective right it's you as an individual and your perspective that you're bringing and that's the only way we can ensure that the solutions or ideas are as inclusive and sensitive I guess you could say to people as possible that won't be possible if there is not perspectives on board right
1: exactly it's it's, it really needs to be a lot of different perspectives it can't just be the The lawyers and the finance that are traditionally on those boards you need to have the stem perspective as well and uh, yeah so that's one of the big things that's being missed out I feel at the moment
0: Mm. and and now when it comes to you know bouncing out from perspectives I know from your podcast you've um, covered a wide variety of topics so shout out to the engineering heroes podcast we'll definitely link all of it below Um, when this is released but i know there's topics such as iot we're talking about stem in schools what makes a good engineer clean energy and everything you know Mm. beyond this and so so to everyone listening what would you say to you are the most interesting future prospects when it comes to the stem space now that you've heard so many exciting things so many exciting perspectives what is something that you're particularly keen for when it comes to the stem space
1: I do, you touched on it there about IOT, but the evolution of society. Mm. So I know my my grandmother, who's 94, she has seen so much change in her years. Like she still talks about, you know, running water in the house and brushing her teeth with charcoal and a twig or something like that. And uh, and just the amount that she's seen in her lifetime, I a lot of my technology expertise in the background was... Um, a lot of the work I did was bringing new technology to how people work. And so I am constantly fascinated by what is coming next. That's going to directly impact us as a society. So, you know, and having a, a sustainable overlay of that. So the washing machines are, were an incredible advancement in society and the way that they changed the gender balance and what they know the refrigerator as well was another example of how they brought gender balance to society but that was to the detriment of the planet and so i'm curious to see what stem is going to bring to the next level so we've still got that baseline of the fridge and the and the washing machine helping gender but now we need to help the planet and having that realization having people actively working on those sort of topics and those sort of innovations is what I'm most excited about for the future. And that's what I love watching to see how we can, we needed to, we needed to, I'm going to say we needed to make mistakes, but they're not mistakes. Like the car is not a mistake, but the car also had a positive and a negative impact on on society and the planet. So mm-hmm. what can the future bring there? So that's the space I love seeing. And uh, that's a little bit what what another one of my podcasts, Stemology, talks about. It's like, what's the current uh, changes that are taking place in STEM that are going to impact the world around us, the way we live. And uh, that's what I love seeing and hearing about and getting into that area.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's sort of like seeing the um, fusion, I guess you could say, between different um, aspects, right? We're talking about technology, we're talking about the planet. It's not exclusive to one or the other and that's I guess the cool part of um, you know engineering and innovation is everything that you've also mentioned everything is interlinked which is so exciting um,
1: to see it is it's it's exciting and daunting daunting at the same time because you think some technology is going to be brilliant and then 10 20 years later you go oh geez we just created a massive hole in the ozone layer oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that sort of stuff and so it, there's always repairs that, so you can never stop innovating and mm-hmm. you can never stop evolving this technology and uh, and you the world wears different lenses at different times so you've got the industrial revolution which was all about uplifting the power of people and now we've got the fourth industrial revolution which amongst other things is advancing the power of people but there's also this lens of no harm to the planet and mm-hmm. that hasn't taken place like we, we've had innovation doesn't matter about the planet but now there's i'm really seeing that um that caring side of things come in and that's a little bit where the humanitarian in uh engineering i think comes in because people are becoming more aware and caring and i think that flows from humanity as well as into the the uh, environment
0: yeah awesome so um i guess this is motivation but I wanted to say sometimes it can be overwhelming right there's so much to do in the humanitarian space it's exciting but as you've also mentioned it can be daunting because you're like where do I begin so I wanted to ask you when it comes to this idea of aligning career with purpose in your opinion what is you know aligning your career with your purpose look and feel like and how do students can, can how can they really jump on board and get started and trying to find where is that fusion where is that mix because often it's career is separate your purpose is separate we can do purpose as a hobby but career is career it's a separate thing so how do how do we get started on that
1: I think it is that's something that's a big generational change as well so people what even what you just said career is one thing and your purpose is another yeah. I think what society is seeing right now is a shift in that. Sorry to say this age old mentality in that, like that's very much the 20th century thinking. Mm -hmm. I go to the, I go to my job to earn a paycheck and you know, and that's my life. Society nowadays is not satisfied with that. You need, you need to follow your passions and that's what's going to lead you to a fulfilling career I think that there's a number of avenues in this area so one the jobs of my kids like my 11 year old she's not going to you know there are going to be jobs there that don't exist today so how could she train for that she can't she needs to follow her passion and do what she loves and she might end up falling into those things secondly society's concept of retirement it was based, like when you look into it, it was based on a political agenda. And, you know, the age 55 or 65 was an arbitrary number because people in those days, you know, back in those days, they didn't retire. So there was all this unemployment with the young kids, you know, the younger generation. So they forced all the old people to retire, which then brought this whole economic change. So there's there was a validity in that. But that concept of retirement is, you know, it, it's a recent idea and the idea that you just stop at 65 I think is being challenged Mm -hmm. Um, you need to keep going with your passion and that's this is where the whole line between where you are as a child and where you are as an adult if you've got that passion as a constant you will live a satisfied life and you'll come out the other end where you don't need to retire you just keep doing what you love doing until the day you die, because you're being driven by this internal love of something. And the the career that you're going to have will be so more fulfilling because you're following your internal bliss. And it comes back to the very early, you know, you decide you need to learn about yourself as a person, as your single person of what is, what makes you passionate in life? What is your driving force in life? and educating yourself and skilling yourself up in those areas so that you fall into jobs that tick your internal boxes and that will evolve you and make you a valuable person in society so that when you get to the other end you're still going and you're still contributing and you still have things to offer you don't just get hidden away in an old age home Mm -hmm. because you're still part of valid important part of society who has passion for the world around you and you have so much more experience at the other end. So whew, that was a big thing. But at the end of the day, just follow your passion. That's yeah. where you need to go. And you might need to do some boring stuff along the way, but you need to always understand yourself. You need to learn about yourself as you go through and realize that everything builds up. You're like a Lego piece. You're still getting blocks attached to yourself as you go and as long as you're happy of you know that you can see the connection of those blocks to a bigger picture then you'll get through this life very happy and satisfied
0: yeah for sure forever a student and contributor in life I guess. yes that's right Yeah, which is, um, as you've mentioned, it's really incredible seeing that shift. And what also helps like to add on is hearing from different perspectives, like for personal book recommendation was Michelle Obama's biography, like her book becoming, you get to see what it means to grapple with this idea of merging, you know, your purpose in the work that you do. And as you mentioned, it's age old, like we need to let go of this idea that things, a career is completely separate to your purpose. It's You know, that it's supposed to be what drives your work, right? Your purpose and what your your intention drives your work. So putting in the work to really sit down, hear perspectives and um mess not messing around, but deep diving into different things and seeing what really speaks to you.
1: Yeah, and taking on hobbies, because you never know where that evolves. And uh yeah, and that whole concept of you have one career for life. Mm -hmm. I never um, I, I never was connected to that personally and so you but I have when I look back I, I'm a project manager I've been a project manager for you know 20 30 years or something like that now and oh, actually that no, can't be 30 years <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but I've, I've been a project manager but that's been my passion uh, to bring order to chaos that's what my passion and I do that for different jobs and different areas and different segments so I use that one baseline that one single thread across everything I do and it gives me the confidence to jump where I want to go that I find something that's interesting so I use I know myself enough that I can be a project manager in that space and I go to there and then something else comes along and I jump to that so it's very important to know yourself Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: and be true to yourself as you evolve and develop in your career which I think is something that I love seeing in this, the generation that's coming up now. I mean, they might appear to be selfish to some, but in some other ways, I see them as they're being true to themselves.
0: Mm, Yeah, for sure. Also mentioning about um, dabbling into different careers. I remember in high school, our careers advisor was actually mentioning now the average person will change jobs around eight times.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's, I, I don't think this was heard of before. Before it was, we're having one job you know, that this is the goal we need to, you know, work,
1: earn money, come home. That's that. It's changing. And that's changing. Yeah. And I think some businesses uh, don't understand that they need to adapt and they don't like adapting to this um, younger generation of their needs. Like Google has opened a lot of the eyes in, you know, put a ping pong table in and give free meals and that sort of stuff. And yeah. because we do have that, that boundary between life and work has really blurred. And I mean, COVID's really put a, shot, a spotlight on that as well, but you know, there was a lot of talk before about the work-life balance and it's not so much a work-life balance. It's, it has to be a work-life bliss. Mm-hmm. You need to, it, they, they will merge. And you know, if you're following your bliss, then your work is your life and your life is your work and you've got everything else on top of it but it it's not a drag to go to and uh, you know having office spaces that are welcoming and stuff that's definitely in my book ticks the box as well that'll yeah. get people back in
0: <laughs> yeah it also um, as you mentioned that the work-life bliss it, it also sort of reminds me of the idea evolution concept sometimes you need a let go of what is familiar to you in some sense in order to evolve, right? We can't, we will be stagnant if we don't change and we don't adapt to things and we don't evolve. So, guys,
1: I think that's one <laughs> of the strengths of humanity is that we are always evolving. And mm-hmm. there's so many of us, even if one person gets locked into a certain way of doing things, there's always somebody around. It's like pushing that boundary. Can we do it better? Can we do it different? Uh, what can we change and what can we evolve. So there's there's enough of us that are asking and you need that groundswell. So yeah, the environmental impacts, that's been something going on since you know, when I was young in you know the 90s, 80s and all that sort of stuff. And it's only just now with you know things like the UNSDG that's really starting to put serious spotlights on that and connecting the passion with the tools.
0: Yeah. Um, so on that, I guess that high note and that uplifting note, unfortunately, we are coming to the end of the podcast. So I wanted to wrap it up with some quick fire questions. So what is one book, one podcast, Uh, and one piece of career advice you want everybody to jump on
1: board with? All right. This is hard. The book, uh, I have three kids under the age of 11, so <laughs> the last time I had a chance to read a book. Uh, so I'm going to pause on that one. But the podcast, I really love Stemology. It's I no bi- bias, but it's one I make. But um, that is such a fun podcast to listen to even. Um, I enjoy listening to it every week as well. Um, so that's a good one to listen to. And uh, advice would definitely be to... Follow your heart. Don't get locked into a career that doesn't bring you joy. So, if in doubt, follow your heart. Follow you. Follow your passions, mm. and you will definitely end up somewhere that you may not have thought of, but will make you happy and give you a fulfilling life. Yeah. Um, example, maybe we could change it. What would you say is maybe a resource? Like I know you've
0: mentioned a lot of incredible people have leadership courses. Um, so what would you say is, let's say a resource that you really love, unless it's the podcast, but
1: (laughs) no, I'm just, um, I'm going to say, give back, volunteer your time. Hmm. So go on those, take an opportunity to get exposure to not for profits, Hmm. uh, volunteer for board positions. Even, even when you're young, just put your name down for those positions because, you'll get exposure and you'll learn something new and don't be afraid to be a leader, uh, out there because, you know, and also make sure you have a leader that you follow. So having a mentor is one thing, but being a mentor completes the circle. So, you know, find those people in life that will challenge you and guide you, but also be a guide for somebody else. So complete that circle and, um, And even if you're at uni, put yourself down for leadership roles, because uh, I'm going to assume your listenership are STEM related. So they're the people that I want to see lead our society forward. And you can't do that without the experience and do it while you're young, because that will only build up to bigger and greater things.
0: Yeah. And um, I really loved how you touched on the aspect of mentorship, because I I know it's people mention it, get a mentor, mentorship is important because, you know, you, you sort of learn to lead when you see others lead. Um, yeah, in a exactly. So yeah, it, it's incredibly powerful. And I just wanted to share, throwback to the humanitarian innovation hackathon was, I think the first time for me where I had a, or one of the fewer times, I guess you could say, where I got to be exposed to a mentor because we did have a mentor. And it was, Really, It was basically what changed the entire course of my team's um, project because I remember there was a time where I broke down and I was like, hey, I just need some help. And my mentor was so incredible, scheduled a call with me, talked it out with me. And that is the sole reason where I got back up and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I was feeling overwhelmed. And our team came in, you know, one of the top 10, which is beyond, you know, I'm so beyond proud of that. And it was all to mentorship, so kudos
1: to that and yeah that is such a beautiful story and I'm going to um, take that as well as promotion for next year because the mentors is something that I fight hard for from the the hackathon perspective because it is such an important role and what as I said one of my key deliverables of the humanitarian innovation hackathon is that connection with you can do something with your university degree more than just what you expect. So you can help change society and the mentors are a key element in delivering that mental change. So thanks for adding that little bit. I love that. I'm going to take that as well.
0: No worries. A more promotional material, guys. Sign up for it for next That's year. Right. Yeah. So, well, with that, thank you so much for joining me today, Melanie. I hope everyone here enjoyed tuning in as much as I enjoyed um, recording this with you. But of course, we won't leave everybody hanging. We'll be linking all of Melanie's podcasts and projects and some incredible resources in the description. But until then, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me.